from 10 11 now. Morgan to the sophomore again. Looking for his second touchdown of the night. Gets a push. Touchdown, Gophers. And the 10 11 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. Got to get six. Diedrich Mills, the carry, touchdown. Nebraska finally on the board. The streak is alive. Yes, it is. Oscar fans. This is the End Report Podcast. It's a bye week for the Huskers as Nebraska gets some much-needed time off. They're 4-3 and three on the season, coming off a uh, loss that we will dive into quite deeply as the Huskers lose at Minnesota a few days ago. That was uh, an ugly game, to say the least. With Dan Corey, I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for... Listening to the In Report podcast, we'll try to entertain you for the next 30 minutes. We'll try to provide some insight and information. Ease your pain. And we will try to maybe give you some optimism for the remainder of the Nebraska football season. Well, it's maybe. Still That's it. a big task for yeah. us. I know it might be easy in that you want to do it to move on to 2020, but you can't because there's still some games left. Five games, and, and there's still a lot to play for. You predicted seven and five. That is still attainable. I'm not preaching rainbows and lollipops here, but realistically, that is attainable. It's just hard to see right now after Saturday night. But the perception of the 2019 season in the span of three very cold hours on Saturday night, it changed for a lot of people in Husker Nation. We had our coverage on 10-11 almost immediately after the game, and I said on the air that this was the most disappointing game Nebraska has had under Scott Frost. And I'm sticking by that. That's what I said immediately after the game. That's what I thought, and that's what I think now. I understand the Troy game last year, any loss last year. Colorado hurt this season. Ohio State, we're just throwing that out the window. This game, from what I saw, 60 minutes was the most disappointing performance Nebraska has had under Scott Frost. You're very passionate about that stance. Why? The lines the physicality of the game and not and not just the lines the wide receivers the running backs when Shannon Brooks is running and Rodney Smith they're carrying five six Nebraska players with them tackling was pretty bad yeah it was and, and when Nebraska when Maurice Washington carries the ball you know he's dancing around gets two or three yards offensive line did him no favors Diedrich Mills as well uh, got in the game in the second half. But uh, there's just so much to digest here, Kevin. What, what, what are your thoughts on the game from the sideline? You were up there in the Twin Cities. Listen, P.J. Flex said after the game that, hey, one of their assistant coaches wants to not poke fun but not prepare for the weather. I mean, this is what we live for. This is Minnesota and P.J. Fleck, the used car salesman. The, the sad thing is for Nebraska fans today who do not like P.J. Fleck, can't say anything about him because his team just went 6-0, and winning 34-7. to P.J. Fleck can rub some people the wrong way. He can come off as a bit of a, a honk and a guy that speaks a mile a minute but doesn't say a whole lot at all. It doesn't matter because there are about 100 young men in his locker room that they believe and they listen to every word he says. And on the other side of the sideline, on Saturday, you had a team that seemed a little bit um, defeated, and I think that there was a quote following the game that tells me a lot. And it says that we need to get away from each other. And I don't know that that was the exact terminology. But yes, everybody said they needed a break. Mentally, physically, I get that. The toils of college football week to week, they are real. It's a very real thing. So, And that's why they build in bye weeks. And Nebraska finally has its first bye. And most of the Big Ten has already had one bye occur. 
But Nebraska going the extra step and somebody saying that we need a break from each other, that is a major red flag in my opinion. I've been on some teams where you don't like everybody on the team, but you're a team, you have a common goal, common mission, and you put your hands in and you say, let's go after this. If you need to get away from your teammates, there is a cultural issue there. I understand that you can get tired of being around somebody 24-7, day after day, week after week, when you got to consider, too, that these are young men that are going to class. You know, they have their circle of friends that they, they like to hang out with. They have so much going on in their lives. You would think that the football team, doing football and doing football with some guys that you know are on the same journey as you, that should be an outlet from some of the things that you're going through in your life. And for somebody to say that we just need to kind of put a pause on that and enjoy some relaxation and some time away, and I don't think that that's a Scott Frost trait. Remember the video during the offseason um, where they had a boot camp where they were sludging through the water and lifting weights? The program. Thank you, Dan. Like, that was a team-building experience. And the program said Nebraska, those players handled it so well. And Adrian Martinez was a fantastic leader. That tells me that that team is unified. They're marching together. Scott Frost is the leader. He likes the guys that are all in the program at the same time. That's the same team that needs a break from each other right now. And that is a major red flag. There's a disconnect somewhere. Um, and it can be, I want to say, overall, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of things in this podcast over the next we haven't gotten 25 to, minutes. We have not gotten into the specifics of this right, game. Right. It can be more than one thing. It, some people say it's X. Some people say it's Y. Some people say it's Z. It can be the entire alphabet here. If you want to blame the previous coaching staff, there's probably a little bit of, of that in there. Look at the 2017 recruiting class and how many people are there. If you want to blame Scott Frost a little bit, look at some of the play calling. If you want to blame some of the players, this next quote from Scott Frost when he said, I've, I've seen some of the players and the, and the weight that they lifted, and we should not get tossed around like we did in the Minnesota game. So... What is he saying there? That it's probably a lack of effort on some of the players' part. Or it's a mentality of being a lineman, that they are strong. They are getting stronger. It just trans does not translate onto the field as if the way it's happening the way he would like. Let's listen to this Scott Frost soundbite from Saturday night. We got to give our quarterbacks more time. We got to get open better. Um, it, again, it, it doesn't matter what scheme we're in. If those things aren't happening... Um, you're not going to be real successful, and um, you know, we, we got to keep working and getting better. And um, I, I'm going to be really anxious to get back out on the field in a couple of weeks, and I think the guys will too. The bye week's interesting. Sometimes the bye can let you reset, re-energize, heal up. There's a lot of positive to it. Sometimes it can halt momentum. Sometimes because they're not preparing for Indiana immediately. Minds can wander. And we just talked a few minutes ago, Dan, about the disconnect, the fracture, whatever you want to describe it as. Here's a couple things that I thought were very interesting over the past few days immediately following the Minnesota game. Scott Frost had a very, well, let's call it a talking to. He gave his team a, a talking to at halftime of the Minnesota game. What happened in the second half? Yeah, Minnesota drove right down the field and scored. And made yeah, it, it wasn't very nothing. good. So that seemed to fall on deaf ears. At the end of the game, 
Ben Stilley told me that Scott Frost, because I asked, what, what happened in the locker room after the game? Like, how do you, what was said, and how did you guys respond or uh, absorb that message? And he said, Coach Frost talked a lot longer than he typically does. So not only did he give them a talking to at halftime, he then gave them part two following the game, remind you that at halftime it was 14-0. to zero. They were still very much in the game, though it didn't look like a 14-point difference in terms of the eye test of what happened on the field, it was still a two-touchdown game, and Nebraska came back against Illinois and went down by two scores on the road. So Scott Frost had two big messages for his teams. Those will stay behind closed doors. And then the next day on the Nebraska Coaches Show, Scott Frost was not the one that was the talent on the show with Greg Sharp. Instead, he had his assistant coaches, Eric Chenander and Trey Walters, do that for him. Very, those are not, it's not consistent with what has happened throughout the year. And this is a coaching staff that has preached consistency. So I think that there's some soul searching happening with the coaching staff right now. As the Huskers are three, uh, four and three, and in the Big Ten West, remarkably, they're in third place. It's because right now at the top, you have Minnesota and Wisconsin who are unbeaten, and then a bunch of other teams who have suffered a few losses. Iowa, because they played Penn State and Michigan back-to-back weeks. Nebraska's tied with them. Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of problems here, and the coaching staff, I feel like, needs to take a couple days and, and try and figure out, okay, these are the players that we have. We want to make it through 2019 and, and win as many games of the five as we can, obviously, and something has to change schematically on offense and probably defense because when you're running that outside zone and those counters you know who runs those really well Wisconsin and Iowa and and on offense there are some problems mainly that you cannot run the ball unless it's the quarterback running it and Scott Frost said after the game that that is a problem that we're relying on our quarterback so much to open up the running game that basically that's not going to work long-term because our quarterbacks are going to be injured. And Noah Vedra was hobbling at the end of that game. He was limping quite a bit. And uh, Adrian Martinez, he obviously has an injury situation that may not be resolved by the next time Nebraska plays. I'll say this, Dan. Um, you just touched on some of the specifics of the Minnesota game. And again, we're going to get to that here in a few minutes. Um, but Right now, where Nebraska is at at four and three, if I'm the head coach, I get right into Indiana game plan. I really do. Because if you don't and you just go back to almost a fall camp mode at practice this week, you can let these players could have a mental collapse because then they start looking at the record, they look at the schedule ahead, and there is just so much at risk there mentally. But I would, I would institute. Let's start the Indiana game plan. This is what we want to do. But the subtext is, and you don't share this with the team, you're honestly just working on fundamentals, and you're working on some of the issues. So you can spin it as if this is what we're going to do against the Hoosiers or in our next game. But honestly, it may or may not be the case. You just need to go back to we're going to figure out how to blow off the ball and push them back three yards so we can run a three-yard off-tackle run play which was quite unsuccessful against Minnesota. Defensively, you're going to work on not taking yourself out of the play. And that's one thing that, you know, P.J. Flex, say what you want. 
He had Nebraska's defense figured out yep. from he a run. After, he said it after the in the postgame show. From a run um, stopping standpoint, Nebraska, they were just so aggressive on the sides. Minnesota, with their talented running backs, they would hit the line of scrimmage. They were very patient. They would wait that split second. They'd hit the line of scrimmage. And now Nebraska has two guys on the edges that are already behind the play. So now it is 11 on 9. It's not 11 on 11 anymore. It's like, you can go ahead and blitz all you want. Run up forward. And then we're going to shoot the gap. It's a stretch play. Yep. It's, it's they a pretty basic. They waited and waited and waited and cut it. And I'm sure Eric Shenander did not have the game plan of having two linebackers in the same spot at one time. And then the tackling on the second level was pretty um, below average. Some and ugly habits reared their head on Saturday night. Yeah. Ones so that Nebraska fans and Nebraska players had w- wished that were gone, but shades of previous seasons and fundamentals came back. From a football perspective, Dan, what's your number one concern? Because we've talked about tackling. We've talked about uh, scheme a little bit. We've talked about the offensive line. They don't stretch the field. I think that's a big, big part of this discussion. And we have not spent enough time talking about this on the In Report podcast throughout the year. We've had conversations uh, off microphone and off camera about this. The missing of Stanley Morgan. You know, J.D. Spielman's having a fine year. But I think that this offense as a whole, how many times has Nebraska thrown the ball in the air more than 25 yards downfield? Not very often. And if you are going to do that, who are you throwing the ball to? It's just J.D. Spielman. They've tried with Noah a few times, kind of I Noah, but I don't think he's had – he had one against Ohio State, I believe, or or one of the games early, where it was downfield. But they they don't give you the sense that they're going to take the top off Everything is so controlled, and I understand it, especially maybe they can't go downfield because they can't protect the quarterback for three seconds. Again, it's more things than one thing. So, so you're right. And Jerron Woodyard got his first start as a Husker, got one catch, but it was right at the line of scrimmage, and he was a quote-unquote take-the-top-off kind of guy. But look at Cade Warner. Comes in the game late, and they go, they go right to him. And, and I thought it was so funny because when the game was going on and I said, Nicole Griffith was, was here in, in, in the studio with us, and I said, I am so intrigued with what this postgame is going to sound like. I wonder if it'll be like Purdue last year. And then Cade Warner marches into the game, and I said, well, that's ironic because Cade Warner's first start basically was Purdue last year. And, the, and Frost said, listen, we're going to ride with the guys that – are going to give us 100%, basically. The Purdue postgame, I'm going to stop you right there. You remember the, the famous quote from that game? They look like they love losing. It's like we love losing. And that was the game in which Scott Frost called out his team for dancing on the sideline while they were down by multiple touchdowns. And we have the video when Scott walked over and he was in front of those guys who are swaying back and forth as Nebraska is about to receive the kick. And the reason they're receiving the kick is because the other team had just scored. And he just turns around and you can tell he is just disgusted because he is an ultimate competitor. But I think, you know, going back to how we opened the podcast here, Dan, the difference between last year and this year was last year was its first year of Scott Frost. They didn't have the Akron game, not his guys, learning the system. You can throw out every excuse and put it on the table, and there's a litany of them. What's the excuse this year? Still not his guys? But 
There I, are still some excuses, but you know what? Mac Brown, he's in his first year at North Carolina. I mean, they're not full of four and five star football players. They're doing okay. P.J. Fleck, year three. One additional year beyond Scott Frost. P.J. Fleck went to a bowl game last year. And I'm not saying that Minnesota is the best team in the Big Ten, or, but they're national. Would you like to be Minnesota today? Absolutely. 6-0. and Undefeated, 6-0, and and you're going to probably challenge for the Big Ten West. They've got a huge game coming up in a few weeks. Well, by the way, their next games, I believe, are Rutgers and Maryland. Mm-hmm. They're going to add a few more wins onto their total. And you can say that they are, the Nebraska, they are like Nebraska in Tommy Armstrong's last year where they built up this uh, bit of fool's gold undefeated record. They're winning the games they're supposed to win. But back to my point, P.J. Fleck is in year three, one extra year beyond Scott Frost, and he said – Whatever those excuses are, I'm knocking them off the table. Forget it. My guys are believing in me, and we're winning ball games. And you're not, you cannot convince me that Minnesota's talent is superior to Nebraska. Why are they winning and Nebraska's not? And I think that's where there is just this groundswell of fan discontentment seven games through the 2019 season. You can say that Scott Frost is going to work long-term ta- long and still be upset with what is happening in the short term. Can you? Absolutely. You There's can. a lot of people who are not feeling that way after the Minnesota game, Dan. And that's fine. I know social media Where, the, the, Social media is a really slippery slope because it is the the vocal minority. And what is Twitter? It's a place to go to to just share Everybody has a voice, and oftentimes that voice is negative, it's toxic and, you know, it's very cynical. So you got to be very guarded when you read Facebook comments, Twitter comments, because you don't get on there to say, wow, nice seven-yard pass. But you do get on there to say, this team's hot garbage. We're four and three when we should be six and one. The biggest thing, I think, is everybody needs to take a look in the mirror. And that's the co- from the coaching staffs to the fans. Because as a fan base that is upset with the coaching staff, and is radical and wants to change, the question is, is where are you going to turn? So when Bo was getting blitzed in Madison in 2014, kind of had a feeling that that was the end of that. And it's like, okay, on to the next. And so Mike Riley, the 2017 season happens, and it's like, okay, on to the next, Scott Frost. So now it's like, you know that Frost is the guy because where else are you going to look? So it's like it's coming to the realization that even if he struggles or Nebraska struggles under Frost, which is happening right now, that there's nowhere to turn. So it's like as a fan and as a player, you need to realize that as a fan base. Fan base, I'm talking the fan base here, needs to realize that and understands that there's going to be some rocky roads along the way. And... And here we are. Beyond that, I don't think it's just a where are you going to turn conversation. It's also I think Scott Frost is a good coach. I really do. I think he's very brilliant, and I think he knows how to coach a very good offense. From a play-calling perspective, you look at his track record. He's learned from some of the game's greats, and he's had success when calling plays. For whatever reason, right now at Nebraska, the pieces don't quite align, and there is some. So let me ask you this. What's your message to the fans that on Saturday night, after seeing their team lose 34-7 to in Minnesota, and are, I'm going to go out in the garage and sweep the floor for the next six hours angry, what's your message to them? Uh, what's my message? I, I, it's a lot of things. 
I, Calm down? I, it's okay no. to be okay? This is part of the process? Probably. Probably that. I'm not, I'm not going to tell fans to calm down if, the, if they're upset with, with the team. Again, I, still, I think— it's, it's still 19 games into the Scott Frost era. Right. So, but some people are waxing big-picture conclusions from uh, what's going on. Because they, they see UCF, and they see him going undefeated, and they see Nick Saban and Urban Meyer two, you know, in year two doing great. It's going to take—they need more Wandale Robinsons. Who hopefully is okay. Who hopefully is okay, of course. They need more Adrian Martinez's. And, and they need to develop in the lines. I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to disagree with you. And, and this is why. I'm going to go back to my, my thought about Mac Brown, P.J. Fleck, and we can look at these other coaches that have been at their uh, institutions for three years or less. They don't have their guys, and they're winning. It doesn't always have to lie on – rely on the guys you have in the locker room. I know to an extent it does. And based on the league in which you are in, it can be exposed a little bit more. Yes, you got to have big guys to play in the Big Ten. Makes total sense. Yes, you got to have fast guys to play in the SEC. That makes sense. But there are guys who come in without their players, and they still have success. That hasn't happened at Nebraska, and that's a tough reality for, for some of the fans. I asked you the question, Dan, what's your message to the fans? Thank you for answering that. Here's mine. And I'm going to preface this with, um, I'm just going to jump to it. This is something that has bothered me. Because in the fallout from the Minnesota game, I've read a lot of comments and I've heard a lot of people just through some of the people that I associate with that are diehard Nebraska fans, season ticket holders, and they love Nebraska. Eat, breathe, sleep Huskers. The media is the problem with Nebraska football right now. That's a legitimate conversation. And the comments that I have heard and also read say that the media painted a picture that was too rosy for the 2019 season, that the media set the expectations too high, and that because the expectation and the stories and the things that were printed and delivered on the television, they, were, they painted this picture in which Nebraska was going to contend for the Big Ten West. They were going to make giant strides in year two under Scott Frost, and because that hasn't happened... Shame on the media for, for delivering that news. Let me tell you this. These practices were closed. We got to go to fall camp two times. Those times that we went, how much of the two-hour and 30-minute practice did we see? 20 minutes. Do not blame the media for setting the expectation at an unrealistic level. We are simply saying what is told to us. We are messengers. We are sharing the post-game comments from Scott Frost, Troy Walters, Eric Chenander, Sean Becton, Mario Verduzco, Adrian Martinez, Jack Stoll. I can keep going. We're saying what was told to us. We are not painting an unrealistic expectation or too rosy of a picture. We were told that that offense is going to score 60 points a game. We're told that Adrian Martinez is making Patrick Mahomes throws. We are told that they're going to reach Indianapolis in a very passionate Soundbite by Mohammed Berry. That's not us saying they're going to make the Big Ten championship game. We are saying what is told to us. I have such an issue with that comment that the local media and some of the national media is to blame for setting an unrealistic expectation. So when Nebraska is 4-3 and three and just got their fannies waxed by Minnesota – and everybody is wallowing where Husker Nation is and the Huskers are right now past the midway point of this season. When I hear, 
oh, well, if the expectations would have just been tempered, and maybe I could have been more prepared for them to be four and three and getting beat by Minnesota. Bill Moose said they're going to go six and six, or that's at least the expectations. Did we deliver that soundbite? Absolutely we did. We didn't pick and choose what we wanted to run and what we didn't. We shared what was told to us. I'm done. Yeah, well, a lot to digest there. And and remember, Scott Frost, um, by saying that every position group was better, maybe he saw that in fall camp as opposed to last year. But you want to go. Every coach you wanna, sees their team getting better. Right. You want to go through the position groups right now? Offensive line, is it better? No. no. Wide receiver, is it better? No. Running back, is it better? No. Quarterback? That's a passionate. No. Maybe. No. No, Adrian was better last year. Defensive line, yes, it is better. Linebackers, maybe. Secondary, yes. Yes. That ain't every position group. So if we take a test and you have seven questions in front of you and you get two of them right, you're a failing grade. I'm not saying that Nebraska is failing. I'm saying that, as you just pointed out, position by position – What's on the field this year, it's not improvement. It, it's just apparent that the culture and, and, you know, that word gets overused so much that it, it needs some help. And it's like, how is it going to get fixed? How is it going to get fixed? And you, do you pull a Hoosiers and say, listen, if you're not – giving us 100% or following what we should be doing, you're just going to go on the bench. And I don't – that's what his message was after the Purdue game last year. He didn't say that specifically in the Minnesota game, but he did talk about effort a little bit. And, and like, you have a chance to go 5-2. and You're a Big Ten West matchup, and you didn't meet the – meet the uh, – the attitude that Minnesota had coming into that game, that fire and passion, that's, that's the most disappointing thing. Yeah. yeah, that's an issue. One, one final thought on the, my rant about the media. Yes, Nebraska was projected to win the Big Ten West. And who came up with that poll? The media. But was it the local media? No. Big Ten media. Correct. Where are they getting their information that makes them think that Nebraska is going to win the Big Ten West? Where are they getting that information from? Yeah. From where, where, where is Scott there? Frost and from, from the player sound Thank bites you. that we play. And also looking at some of the tape that Adrian had a good year last year. They, they were projecting sure. a big jump in year two. Um, so it's not, it's not entirely on the media. Okay. So Nebraska's next game is October 26th. That's against Indiana. That'll be on uh, at 2.30 kickoff at home. And we'll see what the temperature is not the meteorological temperature, but what the temperature is on game day. Because it's a 2.30 game. You can spend your morning tailgating. You can enjoy a nice fall afternoon outside Memorial Stadium. Television plans are on BTN for the broadcast. We're going to go beyond that game. And a couple years down the road, Nebraska will play in Ireland. This released on Monday. The Husk is a part of a series that will have five games in college football that will play across the pond. Nebraska, lucky enough to be a part of that. In 2021, it'll be the season opener as the Huskers play Illinois, a game that was originally scheduled to be in Champaign. They get to go international. That's going to be a pretty fun deal. 
Absolutely. So it's a five-year or five-year series. Navy Notre Dame is year start one. it next year. College Game Day is already the Fighting Irish center. in Ireland. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, it, it it's absolutely awesome. And and so next year Nebraska opens the season with Purdue at home. So that'll be back-to-back years that Nebraska opens the season with a Big Ten opponent, and I and they added an FCS opponent in November which it's kind of funny how things work because when Nebraska fans saw that news, they said, oh, that's a nice uh, break from the Big Ten grind in November. And it's like, hmm, you're not saying that when Alabama does that. But, yeah, that is actually pretty smart, come to think of it. They're going to play Southeast Louisiana in November. Yeah. It's going to be really kind of odd, to be honest. Yep. But it was like Bethune-Cookman last year. They snuck them in the middle of the season. So uh, I think the Nebraska fans will show well. I think that that's going to be fun, and a lot of people might jump on that opportunity. It's cool having um, almost two years' notice so that and, and if you need to save up, make travel plans and arrangements, um, who knows who Illinois' coach is going to be in 2021. It might be the first year of a new coach, quite frankly. And that is going to be an awesome September and late August because Nebraska plays Oklahoma that year as well. Oh, wow. So I did not put that together. Yeah. Let's just hope That'll Nebraska be don't is go, don't, don't a go there. Let's leave it at Nebraska plays in Ireland in 2020. It makes total sense because earlier this year, Nebraska made a roster or a schedule move on that year's schedule. I believe they took Northern Illinois off of it and they moved them to like 2027. And that makes total sense now. So Nebraska, and I don't think that they're just going to fly in the day before. I bet they spend a good four, five, six days there practicing in Ireland leading up to that game. So um, our boss, when he listens to the podcast here, <laughs> just say that Dan Both and I would like us? to go to Ireland. Yeah, for the week. That'd be pretty fun. Let's move beyond football for a quick uh, few minutes, and then we'll wrap up the podcast with some final thoughts. But first, we've got a shout-out to the Nebraska soccer team. This past weekend, they won against Maryland. Uh, Meg Brandt had a pair of goals for the Huskers. That was on Friday, and then they play Rutgers, who's nationally ranked. They play them to a tie. That soccer team doing okay after uh, a bit of a sluggish start. And as for John Cook's volleyball team, they remain number five in the AVCA coaches poll this uh, week. They had a nice, productive weekend. They played the Michigans, Michigan State, and the Wolverines. They beat the Spartans in four sets, and they swept Michigan on Sunday. And that's a team that, you know, they have some shortcomings, but when they play at the top of their game like they did on Sunday against Michigan, then they look like a pretty solid volleyball club. Lexi Sun had a, an outstanding day. Uh, I think 17 kills, 10 digs, and 7 blocks. Wow. A couple of those solo blocks, too. And they looked... Really, really good. John Cook said he was extremely happy with their effort, especially on the defensive side of the ball after that loss to Wisconsin at home. And I thought it was interesting when we interviewed Coach Cook in the middle of last week. He he shared the story with us that his captains went to him earlier in the week and said, Coach, we need to be challenged more. Can you do that? What do you think John Cook's going to say? I can do that. So he cranked it up in practice, and that was coming off of – you know, the weekend in which they lost to Wisconsin. So they needed to bounce back, and they did in a big way. And, you know, when this team, when they play well, they look like uh, an elite college volleyball program. But we have seen some youth shine through a few times in their losses this year. And they're not the most consistent bunch, but the ceiling is pretty high for this squad. Yeah, Kenzie Knuckles, back-to-back aces against Michigan. She looked good again. 
Um, again, it goes to can John Cook get his team to peak at the right time? He has a good track record of doing that. We'll see what happens. On our notes here, it says to bring the In Report podcast to a close. We have a minute to do so. We could stretch that time. But uh, bring it to a close. Dan, we've hit on so many different things. How it's do we want to wrap this sucker up? because there's so much to talk about. And I feel like we touched a little bit on each topic. Big Again, picture, expectations, fans, Minnesota, deficiencies, volleyball team, Ireland. Let, let's just give you 30 seconds to kind of The Minnesota game was very disappointing. I think it was to a lot of fans, probably including to the coaching staff and the players realizing that maybe it hasn't changed as much as they thought. So it's time to take a look in the mirror, do some self-scouting, worry about Nebraska, not Indiana, fix the fundamentals, and if you need to turn it up a notch, if you need to go Nicklin Hames and Lauren Stiverins and turn it up a notch in practice to where you're doing more physical work and tackling and blocking, then do it. I like that. Here's my thought. They're four and three. Five games are left in 2019. Don't give up on this season. They could beat Iowa. They could beat Wisconsin. Upsets happen in college football. Right now, after what immediately happened against Minnesota, what, what's the most recent thing you saw, you're probably discouraged. That game was not good. Not good. But what's to say this team doesn't make improvements? Last year, what they do in the second half of the season under Scott Frost, they made improvements. So stop it with the big picture, sky is falling, I'm not so sure the Scott Frost era is going to work nonsense. 19 games in, let this process ride out. Give the team a chance to get better because it can still happen. They have not one bye week, they have two bye weeks. And if they utilize them in an efficient and productive way, they can really get better from now in the middle of October to the end of November. There's a lot of football left, and I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility, as crazy as it may seem considering the way Nebraska just played, that they could, they could beat Wisconsin. They could, they could beat Iowa. I'm not saying that they will, but they could. That's college football. Some people, when they looked at the schedule this past year, they said, there's a loss in there that I don't see. Well, you know what? Wisconsin fans might say that same thing too. Iowa fans might have said that same thing too. Maybe that loss is against Nebraska. And if there's one thing Scott Frost might really do is take a look at his personnel up front, and sometimes you could maybe upgrade by a player you've never seen before. Don't rule that out. There's five games left in the 2019 season. And you know what? January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. What do you hope for? You yearn for days at Memorial Stadium. And you have a few of them left. You have a few of them left for the months where you don't get to watch any football and you miss Nebraska football. Don't let this Minnesota outcome suck the joy and anticipation and excitement for football out of you. Go to Memorial Stadium on the 26th. Have a good attitude. Enjoy football for what it is and enjoy the team that you passionately love. You never know what could happen. They're four and three. This could still be a good. I think we should end on that. Thanks for listening to the End Report Podcast. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. 
subscribe, and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your... Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now Weather App. Download the 1011 Now Weather App for free today.